Hello, and welcome to The Board Librarians, Episode 8, The River, a game by Ishmael Perrin and Sebastian Pachon. I'm Brian. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're here to talk about board games. games. (laughs) (laughs) Except that wasn't Elizabeth. It's Peter. Hello again. Unfortunately, Elizabeth was unable to make it tonight, so we have a great friend, Peter, who filled in. And you may remember Peter from a previous episode. What episode were you on, Peter? Because I honestly just forgot. I think it was episode four. What was the name of the episode? Do you remember what game we talked about? The Dinosaur Island? Dinosaur Island, yes, yes. Okay. Well, today we're talking about the river, but first, Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Having off from work is always fun. How about you? I'm doing pretty okay. I played two board games today. I played a game called Neom. I don't think you played that one. It's a city-building game. And we played the river. And I also went out for pizza with Peter. I had a slice. We went to a place called Albert's. And... I had a chicken vodka slice, and so did Peter. And what did you have? I also uh, had a mac and cheese slice because I didn't eat anything really today. So I had Indian food. I do like Indian food. How many listeners like Indian food? Raise your hands. Oh, wait. I can't see your hands. Okay. Um, not so funny. So let's. we have a very special topic today as well. We have 10 games that I got rid of and why. I'm going to talk about why I get rid of games and the reasons why I get rid of these games. And Peter's going to give his input on a couple of them, see if he played them or not. I'll give a brief description of them. But first, let's dive into The River, Mm. a game published by Days of Wonder. Mm. (laughs) The River is a two-to-four-player game that's worker placement. You're trying to build your river. You are building different types of river tiles, and some of them store goods. Some of them allow you to produce goods. Some of them have end game uh, points that you can get from them. And you're going to do a bunch of different actions. You can make resources. You count the number of production icons on your board, and you get that many resources. You can place a tile on your board. And the certain tiles, when you put them on, you cover up certain spaces and you lose the ability to make more resources, you lose some storage, or you possibly even lose one of your settlers. There's also the ability to swap two tiles on the board. There's a space to um, change the first player icon. There's also these cards, and the cards you use to to spend resources, and you're able to get victory points on them. And the game is a pretty light entry-level game. So, Peter, let's start with the components. What did you think about the pieces of this game? Actually, uh, the components were quite nice overall. I like the uh, the different resources and things. I always love it when resources are um, actually look like the resources that they're supposed to be, and they're wooden and just uh, just a lot of heft to them. What were the resources? They were there was wood, um, brick, uh, stone, stone, and I th- there was um, turkey, turkey, turkey. turkey. Which actually is very well-themed. Gobble, now gobble. think about it. <laughs> there were turkeys in this game, which is unusual. Elizabeth, you would have enjoyed the turkeys because you like animals in games. I love the only animal in the actual game. The resources, I mean, for those of you who play board games, wood is a dime a dozen. It's in like a million games. Why is wood so widely used as a resource? That's a very good question. What do you think? I don't know, actually. Now that you mention it, I, I we have used a lot of wood in the games that we played. Um, I guess just because it's easy, I, I think maybe it goes in a lot of themes. I think you can really you can really put it into a lot of different themes. I think that would be a fun top ten list. The top ten games that actually involve wood as a resource. What do you think? Like the top ten games that have wood. 
Oh, I don't know. As, as you mentioned, that's a lot of games. There's quite a few. I can name it like five or six off the top of my head, so I don't think that's that difficult to go through. You could do that with Elizabeth then. Yeah, I'll save it for her. <laughs> what did you think about the artwork of the game? It was good. Um, you know, I didn't particularly find anything attractive about it, but it served its purpose. I think I think that's the best way to put it for me, at least. Days of Wonder as a company, for those of you who don't know what Days of Wonder is, they make the game Ticket to Ride, which you could find on your target, and it's a, that's a very popular game, but they're known for making only one game a year. They were acquired by another company recently, uh, I believe it was Asmodee, and they still make one game a year, and they used to be very hyped, and they've made some really, really big games, and usually the game's have been more complex lately but this game is kind of a step back from that which we'll probably get into a little bit more but their games are known for their production values and i think this game is no exception it's a very nice looking game although i have to say the player boards were a bit warped yeah that that was an interesting thing when you took them out and they kind of just had that nice bow in them yeah i don't like that in games i have some games there's a game lewis and clark i have and the game is like permanently arched up you can put large books on top of them i think that makes a difference but who really has the time for that yeah you really want to just jump into the game you don't want to have to spend like an hour just just flattening out first ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? Oh, warm, 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 warm. Nobody's got time to flatten out their games, people. So I thought that it was there was a big knock against the components. Uh, the game has two sides, which I like. The board is different for two players versus three or four players. Unfortunately, this is a first play. However, again, more on this later, I'm not sure how much different it'll be with three or four players. But we'll talk about that. What did you think about the gameplay? So uh, it definitely lives up to being a simpler game, I can say that. Um, It's very straightforward. I think, actually, when I'm thinking about it, it might be a good intro game. So like like an entry-level game, like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a, um, what do you call it when you have like the first level of a game? Yeah, yeah, essentially the, like you said, the introduction. Or introduction, yeah. yeah, there's a term for that, but I, I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah, I think I think that's really where this game falls, but I think it starts to fall when you... Uh, gateway game, it's a gateway, gateway game. Yeah. yeah, so that's the word I was looking for, it popped into my head. This is a great gateway game. Yeah, because you started with Agricola, right? And that Which may, is not, that is may not, not a gateway be game. a good gateway game. So No, that's not a good gateway game at all, but that's okay. So... As a gamer, as someone who's played a lot of games, is this a rewarding game to play? Is there? Do you think it has more to offer in repeated plays, and why? Honestly, I I can't see that. That's that's. It's kind of something. I, I'm glad that I played it. I don't I don't really hate it, but at the same time. I don't really have any desire to play it again. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I don't know. I'm not trying to bash the game or anything. It's just um, maybe it's too simple. Maybe that's part of the issue, I think. Uh, there are a couple other finer issues that we can go into in a second, but um, I think overall it's it's very simple, and um, I don't know. There it, it was something about it where I didn't feel like... Like, sometimes we would block each other and things like that, but there wasn't really any sort of competitiveness to it. 
And there, there was actually several turns where I didn't know what to do with my workers. I was like, there's nothing I really want to do. And I don't think that's a very good in the game. Most of the time, you feel like you don't have enough to do. And this game, it was the opposite. There just wasn't anything to do. Like, it's like, I can't do this. I, have, I don't have enough turns. I'm running out of time. The game's almost over. This game, it was like, oh, well, this place is blocked. I don't have the resources to buy this building. So I'm going to do nothing. Just going to correct you there. And you meant uh, there's too much to do. In, in most games. There's too much to do. Yeah. Okay, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. There's too much to do. With this game, there's not enough to do, and I think that's not great. What are some no. other knocks you have on the game? Keep going. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I also had the problem where I think I actually just forfeited a turn because it was just there was just nothing to do. Um, but also, the tiles, um, specifically the tiles that you would put down on the gamer boards, I thought that there were actually too many and not enough spaces to put them out we just seem to keep bumping into uh basic tiles that you would put down and then one time we uh we did a turn i think it was the second or third way around and we wound up getting end game tiles very early on in the game well there's a i think that this kind of game there's a shuffling uh factor i did try to shuffle them a little bit although i just kind of took them out of the box the way i punched them out so it's possible the end game tiles were all together but there is an element on the board. You can get points if you basically have three rows in your, your river and you have to put them from left to right, left to right, and then right to left, and then left to right again. And if you can line up the same types of terrain vertically, you get extra points. So that's one of the goals you could have, except if the type of terrain you want isn't coming out, then you can't really do much. And that happened to me a lot. That actually happened to me. I picked uh, mountains earlier, and I, they wound up never coming up in the entire game again. Uh, like I said, I think there's too many of those pieces. I think that's really the problem there. Yeah, there was a lot of there's a lot of them, and I'm not sure if it's just because we play with two players. One of the other things I found that was very frustrating about this game was the wild turkeys. Yeah, the, the turkeys in this game are very valuable because they're wild. You can use them as any resource, and some of the cards require them. So I had a card I snagged early on that required three turkeys. I had two turkeys. Pete had two turkeys. Neither of us was spending our turkeys, so the card just sat there, and I couldn't actually earn it. Yeah, and that also uh, that happened where you stockpiles uh, brick even. And, and oh, I was a hoarder. I was a hoarder of brick. Yeah, and then there was no brick left, so we I couldn't build anything with brick. So it was it was kind of an interesting thing. We had to wait until that one at least came up again, as far as things that you could build. Lots of bricks. Call me Benfolds Five. Oh, no. Yeah, who's going to get that reference, people? Mm. <laughs> anyway. You're just a regular mason, Brian. Yes, I'm just a bricklayer. Uh, so, I guess let's start going into our reviews of this because I feel that I have a couple more things I want to say after my review. But So, the board librarian's review system is very simple. A zero to nine. Zero is the worst game you ever played. Nine is the best. And oh, thank, thank you for getting rid of the. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was all right. You haven't you haven't heard our new rating system? No, I I have, but I just wanted to officially thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, you have inspired us. You've grown. Uh, you definitely gave us pause for thought. So, do you want to go first, Pete? Tell us what how, what's your rationale for why you rated it, and give us your rating out of a nine. Hmm. I've been I've been mulling about this actually since we uh, stopped playing, and I think I'm going to give it. I think I'm going to give it the middle of the road five, 
I mean, that's just really what I came away with with the game. There were fun elements to it, but it just it didn't stick with me like other games, you know. Um, and those those little things that we had problems with, it's they, they add up. They add up, and they really are key parts of the game. So you can't ignore them, you know. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I didn't hate the game. It didn't drag. That's one thing I have to point about out about this game, oh. the length. It took us about, I would say, half an hour. It's a very short game. It's almost a filler game, even though it's a worker placement game. There are worker placement games that are fillers. It looks like it's much longer than it should be, but the game ends after you build your either your last river tile or if you build four or five buildings, depending on the player count. And we ended the game both in the same round by building four buildings. So the game ended very quickly. And so even though it may not be the best game, it doesn't overstay its welcome. I agree with that. And um, I could see it being used as a filler game, definitely. So oh. that, that being said, I'm going to give this game a four. Oh, just under me. Slightly under you. And... It gives me pause for thought about whether or not I want to keep this in my collection. At this point, I will keep it because I do think it has a place because I have some friends who are not super gamers, and this might be great for people who are not too into board games. As far as me getting enjoyment out of it, that remains to be seen. I don't play my games that frequently. It'll probably get about two more plays before I put it away for a year, and in a year, I'll revisit my thoughts on it. But I don't plan on taking it out of my collection, but if I were to give rid of 100 games, it probably would be in that batch. I, I, um, I would like to see how it plays with more players because, like you said, the boards do change, so I want to see what kind of changes they have. The only difference is, as far as I know, is that there's more worker placement spots and that if you go on a resource spot and, for example, when you go on the brick one, there's more bricks available and the first person to go there actually gets an extra brick. So that's the only major difference. It may be better with more players. I'm going to play it probably this weekend with my parents. So I'll report back and let you know. Maybe not on this podcast, but personally. I'll tell you how I feel, what I think about it. But I would say that if you've never played a worker placement game and you have a family who's not into gaming and you want a cute game with nice pieces, this might be a game for you. I think, how much do you think you, this is worth? How so? I'm sorry. Like how much value, like in other words, price-wise, how much oh. do you think this game costs? This is probably, I'm not very good at this stuff. I have, what, 35? That's about right. It's about between 32, I think it was 32. Okay. So the value is not horrible. You will get a couple of plays, the tiles, there's a little bit of variety in the tiles, but you know the strategy is going to be pretty much the same every time you play it. And I would say if you were into games and you want to try something simple and you want something that's somewhat quick, and you like the Days of Wonder name, I would say check it out. Otherwise, I would play a friend's copy before you actually go out and buy it. I wonder if uh, house rules could potentially, you know, increase enjoyment out of it, with certain things at least. Yeah, maybe not be able to hold on to the turkey so long, but yes, that remains to be like seen. Yeah. So let's move into our next topic. Unfortunately, we don't have a book review because I'm not prepared and Elizabeth's not here, so you all will have to wait until the next episode for a book review. But... But our main topic tonight is going to be 10 games I got rid of and why. I wanted to actually put these in a particular order. Maybe I can try to actually do them in order as I go. So let's try to do this. So I have various reasons of why I get rid of games. These are 10 games that I regret getting rid of. So I'm going to give you games that I regret getting rid of, and I'm going to do them in order from least regret to most regret. And I think I could do this. I think I have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think I only did nine. 
I only did nine. <laughs> so this, just like our rating system, this will be a top nine. So number nine is Anomia. Peter, have you played it? I'm trying to think. It'd be better if you give me the descriptions first. So Anomia is a game where you have different cards that have symbols on them, and there's a word underneath them. It might say vegetable, a beverage, a type of... Um, comic book character, a comic book character, uh, or a car brand, and one at a time, you draw a card, you turn over the card, and if you have a symbol that matches someone else's, you have to say a category of whatever they have on their card before they say what's on your card. So, for example, Peter, if you have a vegetable and I have a pet, you have to name a pet before I name a vegetable, and you have to constantly pay attention to this game. I like this game. It doesn't play a lot of people, but it plays between three and five. This is a very, very popular game at my job at the library. The teens absolutely love this game. So if you're into quick party games and you're a librarian and you want to find a good game for your teens, this is a game you should definitely check out. However, my issue is that when you play this game a certain amount of times, there's only so many cards in the game and you can start memorizing answers. So I played this about three, four times and I realized that every time I saw a mobster... I could say the same mobster every time. That's an example. Uh, There's a party edition of this game, which we bought for the library, which eases that problem slightly. It gives you five or six different decks, but again, you can memorize answers for certain ones. So I would say that that's why I got rid of it, because of the limited replay value. What about your regret, though? I regret getting rid of it because I did enjoy the game itself. Okay. Okay. Number eight. Dungeon Pets. Uh. I have Dungeon Lords, so naturally I gravitated toward Dungeon Pets, which is a sequel to the game. Dungeon Pets is a game where you're basically raising pets, and you're trying to feed them different kinds of food, and you have to take care of them, and you're trying to... It's a very complex kind of worker placement game, and it uses a lot of the same components from Dungeon Lords. The game was a flat flat for me, for my family, and for most of my friends. And the regret I have of getting rid of this game was that I wish I had liked it more because I like Dungeon Lord so much. Have you ever played it? No, that one I know I didn't play. So you didn't play that one? Nah. All right, so that's number nine. That was number eight. Number seven, Forbidden Island. Have you played Forbidden Island? That sounds familiar. So I like the Forbidden series. There's Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, and I never played Forbidden Sky, although I've heard it's not very good. Forbidden Island is a cooperative game. Again, I don't like cooperative games. And it's a game that takes place on a sinking island. My issue with it was that it was very um, repetitive after a while. It got a little bit too easy. And I like Forbidden Desert better. So I got I got rid of it for that reason. I think I gave it to my friend Dawn. Oh. So that one was okay. Now we're up to number six, right? Yeah. Number six was Cosmic Encounter. Did you play that one? No, that one I actually didn't get to play, and I did want to play it. Cosmic Encounter is a very popular game. It's a game where you're basically playing as different aliens. You have special powers, and you're trying to get to a certain amount of points. And each alien has these crazy powers that seem better than everyone else's. And the game doesn't really allow you to attack specific people. You draw a card. It tells you who you're attacking. But I have a certain friend who doesn't like being attacked, and he got very angry during the game. And it honestly ruined the game for me, and I basically decided to get rid of it because it left a bitter taste in my mouth, which is a shame. I also didn't really love the game that much. I wanted to like it more because I know it's popular, so I gave it away. I think I may have sold it, actually. Mm. So that was why I got rid of it. The next game that I got rid of, number 
five mm-hmm. of my regrets is probably Keyflower. Keyflower, do you ever play that one? No. That's a very complex game. I actually have an, it's a series of games that are the key series, and I have, uh, I forgot the name of it actually. I think it's Key, it's not Keyflow. Keeper, Keeper. I have Keeper. Keyflower is an auction game. It has a lot going on, lots of icons, lots of rules, crazy rules for the auction, and it falls into the category of being too much for my friends and my family. And ultimately, and this is the reason why I get rid of games, besides the fact that I've listed before, which is running out of content, the biggest issue is that it's you have to find the right group to play with. If you have no one to play it with, what's the point of having it? This is true. So I got rid of it. And there's another game that's my number one game that's going to be in that category as well. So we're up to number four. I think I have four more left. I do. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Betrayal at House on the Hill is a really fun game by Avalon Hill, and it's a game where you're building a a haunted mansion. It's very story-driven. You run through the mansion, collecting different uh, tokens, trying not to cause the haunt to appear. And then when the haunt appears, you have a scenario you have to deal with. My biggest issue with this game was that, first of all, the rules are incredibly wonky. Very, very random, very chance-driven, lots of dice. But in the game, you have two rule books. There's one for the players and one for the trader. And the game worked great when I was the trader, but when you have someone who doesn't know the game and they're the trader, they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So the game came to an abrupt halt, and I realized this game doesn't work with everyone. So I regret that game, though. You didn't get to play it. No, I didn't get to play it. I feel like I'd probably actually like it, though. You definitely would have liked it. So I have three more left. Number three is America. And Pete has played America. Oh, boy. Have I played America. So America is a trivia game by Bezier Games, one of my favorite publishers. And it's a game where you have to answer questions that are ridiculous, such as... How many Taco Bell? No, where where is the headquarter for Taco Bells in the U.S.? And you have to all you're given is it's east to west of the Mississippi, or how many pounds of taco meat does Taco Bell cook in a year? These are ridiculous answers, and you're basically trying to get as close as you can without going over. And it's a game where guessing gives you points. It's a fun game, and it sounds like fun, doesn't it? But once you run out of cards, the game is done. And unfortunately, I have a friend who was obsessed with this game. We played it a lot. To the point where we ran out of cards, and then the game, and they're like, oh, you may not remember all the answers. You know what? I don't want to play the same game twice, especially a trivia game. Yes, I may not remember the answers, but what if I do remember the answers? Is that really fair? Uh, I don't think so. What do you think? No, I don't don't think that that's uh, fair, certainly, but I I don't think that you'd remember them. But for me, I mean, I could say that my issue with the game was that it kind of made you feel a little dumb when you got the answer wrong in a large respect because they gave you a very large um, grouping because, you know, it's it's like for every single question, you know, you can you can put it someplace, your answers. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of did make you feel dumb when you uh, say that, you know, every let's say that uh, the answer is East of the Mississippi and you put West, you know. It's kind of it's it's a weird game like that, and it's nothing against the group because nobody said anything like "Oh, you're dumb." It's just the way that it's formulated. My favorite part is every once in a while I would get a question though. It would be like about something I actually know. There was one about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. It's like, what state does Buffy take place in? I'm like, I know that. 
California. <laughs> and how many vampires did Buffy kill on screen? I actually got that right, which is very scary. I don't know how I knew that, but I did. Biggest Buffy fan ever. No, I wish. So... That was a game I regret getting rid of, but this wasn't enough content. There are other games in the series. There's a game called Fauna, which is about uh, plants and animals. And then there's another game that's about... It's the same game as America, but it's a worldview of it. But I don't think I'm interested in those. Number two. My number two game I regret getting rid of the most is Mage Knight. Did you play Mage Knight? Maybe. I'm going to say on that one. I think you actually played Star Trek Frontiers. Did you? No, we were going to play it, but I didn't get. We didn't get a chance to play that. So, Mage Knight is a one to two. I think it's one to four, but it's really a solo game. And I actually bought Mage Knight, and I got rid of it, and I bought the reskin of it, which was Star Trek Frontiers. And it's a very, very, very more very complex game with lots and lots and lots of rules, and the barrier to entry severe. And if you don't play this game like once a month, you're going to forget the rules. So I, knowing me, the way I played my games, it was like a year later. And I'm like, I don't remember how to play this game. And honestly, I didn't want to spend the time relearning the rules. It was fun, but it wasn't rewarding enough to play it again. And I wish, I regret getting rid of it because I wish that my brain had enough power to actually remember all the rules. And like once you play it, it's like, wow, this is really deep and exciting. But it's just the barrier to entry is so severe. I had to get rid of it. So that wasn't good. And my number one game is one that I gave to Peter. Hmm. And this is a record for me in the terms of games. This is the only game I ever bought, sold, bought it again, and then got rid of it again. Well, Mage Knight is kind of close to that, but this is a different deal. Mm-hmm. So the game is Through the Ages, A Story of Civilization. Through the Ages is a civilization game. It's a card game. It's a complex card game with lots of rules. It's very fiddly. Lots of little pieces you have to move around. That's what fiddly means. And it's very complicated. And just like I said, for Keyflower, it's a kind of game where if you don't have anyone to play it with, it's not really worth having in your collection. And ironically, my father started playing it after I got rid of it on his iPad. And he's like, oh, that's such a good game. And I'm like, well, why didn't you want to play with me when I had it as a board game? He's like, I would have played with you. I'm like, I don't have it anymore. And when you have such a big collection as I do, you have to make sacrifices. And this is a game that I wish that I still had. But uh, on the other hand, I don't want it back. So don't offer it to me. (laughs) I was going to offer it to you, actually. That would have been a nice gesture of good faith, but I'll, I'll, I'll decline. Because my collection is already at capacity. What I will say is that since we are so close, if you want to play it, I will be happy to bring it over one time. I would play it sometime with you again, but it's just, it's very complicated to the sense where it's hard to teach people how to play it. And if you don't want to teach someone how to play a game, what's the point? You have to kind of... I like teaching people games, but this is the kind of game where the explanation is going to be half an hour, 45 minutes, and I know how people are. Most of my friends, their eyes glaze over after five minutes, let alone a half an hour. And if you don't explain to people all the different intricacies of the systems, they're not going to understand how to play it. So I think there's a huge issue with that. And I do like some complex games, but I like to play most of them two players. The more people, the worse it is. (laughs) So now, Pete, before we go, do you have any games that you missed that I got rid of? trying to think uh give me a second you kind of popped that one out on me uh there's a surprise well i'll mention something then 
because the holidays are coming soon, we're going to be taking a brief holiday hiatus. That means that we may not have a new episode for a couple of weeks, but we will be back before the new year, I promise you. Our schedules have been getting busy as far as Thanksgiving, etc., and we're not going to have the time possibly to record the next couple of weeks, but I still want you guys to bear with us. We also, I want you to be on the lookout, we may have a new feed. So I would say come the new year, search our podcast again if you're subscribed and look for us because we may have a new feed. We may do a reboot. Oh, boy. Because, well, we'll see what happens. Well, we have to discuss this, Elizabeth and I. So, have you thought of any games Oh, as I'm bumping into things? Yes. Um, I haven't, and I think the reason why is because the way that we wind up playing is that every time we go over, there's something new. There are very rarely multiple plays of games for me, so there are. Actually, I'm going to tell you something right now. There's something called an H-index. Do you know what that is? Uh, Why don't you explain it, Brian? It's a little hard to explain, but I will try. So H-Index is the number of times you've played the same game multiple times. So, for example, I'll tell you what my H-Index is. My H-Index is currently 14. That means I've played 14 games 14 times. So that's how you determine your H-Index. And I'm going to tell you that Peter has played 114 different plays. He's played 80 different games. So you have played games multiple times, and your H-Index is three. That means that you've played three games three times. And do you know what those three games are? Would you like to know? Oh, sure, sure. Tell me. I bet I bet I could probably guess, but... So you've played Wits and Wagers eight times. Yes. Cash and Guns five times. Very true. Camel Up five times. Mm-hmm. Unusual Suspects three times. And by the way, I'm getting rid of that one. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't too attached to that one, so that's fine. King Domino three times. Cult Express three times. And, yeah. and High Society three times. High Society. So, so that's your H-Index. That means that... You have to have played, it's a weird formula. It's actually a formula they use in academic papers, which I found out about how many times your name is mentioned versus the number of publications is mentioned. It's like some kind of strange formula. Everyone look it up, H-index. It's interesting. Although I will say that it, with an H-index of three, I, I am pretty low on that, uh, on that list. So my point still stands. So let's look at one more person. The person who's played the most games with me besides myself is my mother. Her H-index is five, so maybe not. <laughs> that's, that's just kind of who you are though that's that is who you are i mean you well you do play a lot of games with different groups of people so for you you do kind of get bored of them you know what i've heard variety is the spice of life yeah that's my motto yeah it's true so keep making games everyone so that he can keep playing them and i will on that note we'd like to thank the sachem library for providing this recording space follow us on instagram the board librarians and follow us on Facebook and look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you download podcast. Thank you, Peter. Oh, thank you for having me, Brian. And come back next time. Elizabeth should be back, and we will have a new episode. And we thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.